Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello everyone, you're welcome again to the Game on Sunday podcast. Thank you uh, for your, your time listening to us over the last couple of months, which we really appreciate. Uh, it's Michael Lester here with you, and uh, I'm joined as usual by Pat Spillan and Tomas Mulcahy. Uh, but also this week, we have a very special guest. We are joined as well by a former Galway player, but not just a former Galway player, but a Galway All-Ireland winning captain in 1998. And that's Ray Silk. And it's just, uh, as I said, Ray, a pleasure to have you with us. And thank you so much for joining us. No problem, Michael. I'm looking forward to it. Good. We're looking, we're, we'll, we'll have a good chat. Uh, we're not going to hopefully cause too much controversy or anything like that. By the way, can I just say to people, there is, a, there is a bit of a, a connection here. Um, now, apart from the fact that, that Ray and myself are both from Galway, but in actual fact, Ray, your dad taught me in St. Jared's College back in the 70s. Right. I think he mentioned you as an exceptional student, but maybe there was something else. Ex- exceptionally bad. Well, that's actually... Milan, you're, you're you're actually right on the mark there. Exceptionally bad was probably the point, but to, but the fact is, to 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 kind of give you how I ended up, Ray, in your dad JJ's class, um, we were doing um, physics and chemistry going into the leaving cert, and a couple of us in the class realised after the first couple of months that we knew more about it than he did. And in actual fact, we knew fact all. So we knew this was going nowhere. And I think it was four or five of us put a petition together to St. Charles, to the president of St. Charles at the time, to change classes, which wasn't normally done. But uh, but anyway, eventually he, he, he went with the pressure, if you like. And we transferred to your dad's class, who was doing economics at the time, uh, which was a new topic, by the way. Uh, on the Leaving Cert curriculum, uh, which is now what business studies or something like that. No, so, just good economics, Michael. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. well, f- fair enough. Yeah. So anyway, we decided. You know what? This might be the one to go for. You know. So we transferred to your dad's class, and it was the best decision that we ever made because um, he was a wonderful teacher. Uh, he was put under pressure because a couple of fellas were arriving in class like a couple of months before the leaving cert and all that kind of stuff, you know. But thankfully, he, he guided us all through it uh, and uh, with with great charm, I have to say. Uh, I had very fond memories of your dad. And uh, and we, we passed. We, we got the pass and the economics and all that kind of crack. So, yeah, carried on life after that. Nice of you to say, Michael. Nice of you to say he died, actually, I addressed him last November. He was just turning yeah. 85. 
But uh, most of the past pupils that came now spoke very highly of him. I suppose back in the day in Jarlis in the 50s and 60s and even maybe in the 70s, corporal punishment was very, very common. And Dad had been a past pupil as well. He would have been in Jarlitz in the early 50s and, you know, the beatings were common enough. There's no point in saying they weren't. And I think yeah. Dad always said he saw so much corporate punishment and he got a few clips as well, but he saw so much corporate punishment, he kind of decided that he'd never engage in it, to be honest. Oh, he never did. And you're absolutely right there. And and we had one or two teachers in my time. Uh, a bet at the back of the head was fairly common. You know, you, you learned how to duck off real quick, kind of, you know. But your dad was was totally the opposite. He was totally placid and all that kind of stuff. I, I made an inappropriate comment to him one day in the class, um, which I won't go into. But anyway, uh, well, after I said it, he kind of looked out the window for about two seconds and he said, OK, we'll leave it there then. <laughs> Just move on. Move on. Let's move on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Come here, lads. Uh, Ray, 25 years since Galway, the All-Ireland. Jeannie Mac, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like yesterday to, to some of us, you know, but uh, what great days those were. Yeah, well, you know, we don't, most of us don't have much Latin despite Cunnamore's best effort, but we do remember Tempus Fugit. And there's another great teacher, John yeah. B. McLaughlin, who taught me Latin for a few years. But um, look, it's 25 years and... The main thing when we met up the last day, Michael, we were all alive. Now, a lot of people have um, traded up or traded down. There's a good few new partners there that we, we got to know, like, but that's 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 society. You know, I'd say maybe 15, 20% of people have, uh, have uh, changed changed models. So, but, but we're all alive and uh, it was good. It was fantastic to catch up. To, but there were great memories. Like, um, I'd been around maybe just since 95. A quick backdrop, 95, we beat, uh, we won the college championship and Tyrone beat us. Peter Canavan in the main, I think he scored 1-7. What a fantastic Gaelic footballer. 96 Mayo beat us, 97 Mayo beat us. But in both those occasions, Mayo got to Ireland finals. And particularly, I think, in 96 against Meath, the hot ball over the bar over John Madden's. They, they, they left that one behind them, maybe. They're sending off, so there was a lot going on then. Then 97 was the Morris Fitzgerald show. Pat will remember that fondly. And, you know, they deserve to be beaten that day, I think. So when we got over them in 98, there was a kind of a feeling, you know, we might do something. And O'Mahony was a big factor as well. In the main, because he got Jas Allen back and and uh, Kevin Walsh, they hadn't been feeling the love with with, with the previous management team, and uh, Omani got those back, and they were huge for us, you know. And it just kind of gelled. We got past Mayo, then uh, I think I don't know Leitrim was wasn't too bad, and then we had um, maybe Sligo. I don't know. We'd be seventy-five, but then then was common. You know, we were fortunate there, but I think Michael, what we had was fantastic, fantastic forwards. Like Donnell was amazing, Fallon. Paul Joyce himself, Niall Finnegan was a top player, Savage, Paul Clancy. You know, we we had real, real forwards. And then uh, Merton Mack had a, a, a dream year. He got an all-star. And then I think the Corrifin success in March as well. We were the first club ever to win the Rhode Island club. And I think, I remember playing Mayo in a challenge and I went in and Decky Meehan came up to me and Decky, Decky's a great character. He got a, and it was amazing in 2001 or 2000. And Decky came up and he said, if Corrifin can win the All-Ireland, what's to say we can't win in All-Ireland? And that kind of belief seeped in a little bit, I think. But yeah, as you said, there were amazing days. And one other thing that I think makes the 98 team stand out is we're very fortunate. And, you know, there's a lot of people involved in this podcast that know the power media. Oh, uh, Pat Comer worked hard and produced the year till Sunday. And yeah. The amount of people that have watched that, particularly Galway people, it was the first documentary of its time. And before, unfortunately, and look for a play from Kerry Beaters in 2022, I stayed up the night before with my brother Adrian and we went out and he had a, he had a few drinks. Uh, I, I don't drink at all. And we'd good old cracked up, but the crack was mighty all around the place. But I'd say a hundred Galway people said to me, I watched a year till Sunday to get in the mood for the All-Ireland final. And I think that programme, that documentary... Cap, 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 I can't say it pushed us ahead of some teams cap, I can't even say it anyway pushed us ahead and we're very fortunate to have that and of all the people on that panel Pat Comer a lot of us would feel he was like the port I call him he had just such imagination such wisdom he had been in All-Ireland uh, no he, he was the Irish international rules team back in 1984 so he had been around for a long time he had immense respect and you know if he brought the camera into the shower I'd say people wouldn't even have flinched 
And the thing about that was, that was a very brave, now, as you said yourself there, Pat was a former Galway goalkeeper, but uh, it was also a very brave decision by John O'Mahony to allow cameras that close to the team. And, and even on All-Ireland's final day, and uh, we all remember, I remember especially, it's like some of that footage, as you said, kind of, that was, it was just stunning because Pat was in the dressing room with the team, you know, and if you think about it, can you imagine that happening today? I can't. No, so look, uh, and it's something, I don't know how we get around it, but the, the lack of access to the top-level players now, even to do a feature for, you know, there's some fantastic writers out there, Michael Foley, uh, Keith Duggan from the Times has pushed over towards uh, other areas, Maliki Clerkin or whoever they, you know, Jason Byrne or um, Vincent Hogan is now retired, like, but I know from the media journalists who cover GA, uh, Michael, the biggest problem they have is they can't get access to the players. They're just yeah. not able to. So they have a mind bringing a camera. So look, it was a brave decision of Jono and uh, look, when it, when it all works out, it's great. You know, the, the footage afterwards would have been very upsetting had we been beaten. But, you know, yeah, uh, uh, Comer was in uh, player meetings. He was in there. Sean O'Donnell was getting a bit of a, a slap down from John for kicking a medical bag or something. And, you know, but to have it in the dressing room, it was revolutionary compared to what we'd seen before. Now, when you watch it, it can look a little bit dated in some ways, but it is 25 years ago and technology and cameras and et cetera, et cetera, have moved on. But you're right. There's no chance of getting behind-the-scenes clip with, with Dublin or Kerry or Tyrone or Derry or Galway now. Like the players, are, I don't know, is it that they've been uh, beaten down so much? But they're nearly afraid to have an opinion and if they do have an opinion, I'd say the manager's on their case. And I don't think that's good for the marketing, marketing of the games. And a bit like the game itself, and we might get into that for a second, but like the game itself at many levels now isn't that attractive. And it's fine for a manager to say the only thing we have to do is win. But is not a bigger picture as well about the promotion of the game of Gaelic football itself. But everybody, Pat, is 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 saying this at the moment. But I, I'm I'm wondering, and we're talking about several aspects of it. And Ray has obviously touched on a few of them there. Uh, but also the the big issue, of course, over the last year or two, is the All Ireland final has been finished in the middle of the summer and all that kind of stuff. And while everybody seems to be talking about it, I'm just wondering. Is there anybody in the GA who's actually listening? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I know, look, Michael, it feels like we're banging the same old drum uh, on a regular basis in the podcast about the split season. And to actually, to, I just after finishing my article for Next Sunday and the Sunday World, and it was on the split season again. And, 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 and without, without going into details, you're right. I mean, I looked at the Wexford County hurling final last Sunday, um, and Islegate, Glenbride, Islegate were in their first Wexford hurling final in. 60, 60 plus years against um, Gorey, but the, the competition was run off in eight weeks. Now, okay, so we have a split season, and in Wexford, we have another split season of a split season because they played the hurling first and they played the football mm. second. But you know, the one thing I was talking, I was thinking about is right, so they played off in eight weeks. You have to ask yourself, is that good for hurling in the county, getting rid of your premier hurling competition uh, in, in eight weeks? I'm not too sure. Is it good for the county hurling team? Well, you start to say it, maybe not, because the county hurling team at Wexford, the senior side, and, and indeed under-20s and under have been doing great. But the one thing that, that, that bugged me about last week is that it was a Cinderella story. I'll get out of the senior championship for so many years, and this was their big occasion. And yet, you know, they had played the semi-final the week before. And you know about, like all of you are familiar with, 
There are county finals. And the build-up to a county final, that two-week build-up, is unbelievable for a community where everyone rallies around the flags on every pole, the songs, the whatever like that. And nowadays, the final is on the week after the semi-final. You start to say it gets no chance for profiler to breed. And we know that with the with the All-Ireland Senior Football Finals and Senior Hurling Finals. They don't get the build-up and, and the breeding space such great matches deserve. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to address that at some stage. At some stage, somebody is going to have to say, yeah, it's a good idea, but it needs a lot of sorting out. And, Michael, we'd need, we'd need 10 programmes to sort it out. But I agree. I mean, like the vital thing in, in all sports is you need profile, Michael. Uh, you need profile of the of the top-class games. You need profile of the top-class players because that's what drives the sport. That's what encourages youngsters to adopt as role models into county footballers and hurlers. And at the moment, we start to cutting off our nose to spite the face. And uh, the marketing and the profile of our games, uh, of our top-class games, is certainly not what it should be. And I, I would agree with, with, with Ray at that point. Do you think, Ray, in the present um, setup as it is now, um, what's the relevance, really, of the leagues at this point? Because, yes. and, and I, this is not something new, by the way, this, is, this has been going on for years and years and years. The leagues start off at the beginning of the year and everybody's enthusiastic because, of course, they want to see competition again and all that kind of stuff. But then when it gets to the closing stages of the league, it seems like more teams don't want to win it than want to win it. You know, so what do you think? Yeah, I'll address that point. Michael, if I can just go back one thing just to hammer, hammer one uh, past point. But the Wexford County Hurling Senior Hurling Finals be over on the 20th of August to me makes no sense. We're not even back to school yet. And I was talking to a, a manager of a club down there who, who, and he just said Hurling is struggling massively that it's so easy to play football and now, you know, the World Cup is on, this is on, but to have the county final over so quickly and like you worked in the Tomb Herald, Michael, and, and you know the Connor Tribune, like the sports editor and the GA guys, they need a little bit of time to build it up and maybe have a supplement and make it exciting. And as Pat said, make young fellas want to play with Mike Cullen or Kilwaren or, 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 or Curfine or whoever that case may be. So I, I hope Jarrett Burns extends, it might only take two or three weeks of a push out yeah, of the Ireland. Absolutely. But that's all it takes. But to be finished that quickly in July, I felt a, a real sense of anti-climax a little bit coming home from Dublin in that it was over for another year. Like, you know, we, there's an awful saying, I hate it as a teacher, once the races are over in Galway, you can cover the books. But you still had to All-Ireland final and semi-finals to look forward to. But look, it's a big question, but hopefully Jared Burns, and in case I don't get to mention it, I think there is a disconnect. I'm involved with the Mike Cullen on the 14 team. I have two lads playing there. I'm involved in the Mike LGFA uh, Ladies Club and I'm vice chair of the club. So I'm trying to do my bit at grassroots level and I'm happy to do that. But sometimes you wonder what GA is thinking. And I'm sure this has been mentioned here, but I'll keep it very short. The, the Gora team of 98 were, were introduced about 45 minutes before <laughs> before the game. And so you were waving up at Seagulls like, it, it struck I me know. as, yeah. I mentioned it to um, Alan Milton and I mentioned it to Keen Murphy, good guys who were in the media yeah. and over there. And they said it takes too long at half time. My solution there is just reduce, you don't have to introduce every single player individually. You just say the Kerry team of 2022 led by their captain, uh, uh, David Clifford, and your little wave, because the way, but it happens 45 and 50 minutes before the event to me, it'll come, and I, I wasn't too far from pushing it, saying we won't go at all. We just won't bother, like, because it's 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 a pathetic time kind of a thing. It's so embarrassing. Either, you either do it with a bit of class, or you don't do it at all. And Lord, my own dad, Michael, uh, Michael John Joe Silky, used to say, something is either right. Oh, it's wrong, usually. And introducing teams an hour before the tour, you know, 45 before is wrong. Anyway, the leagues, the first thing that has to go, Michael, is the stuff that the, the, is, the, is the FBD and the O'Baron Cup and all those. If you got rid of those, that would create an extra few weeks in the calendar. And I think that would be important. But I do think the leagues are very important. I think particularly Division 1 and 2. And, it, you know, you're playing at your own level. So at least teams are getting a fair belt at getting the proper game they play their seven matches but I agree with you it, it does seem to see it comes back to the timing it, it's so close to the championship the Roscommon I think were playing in a, in a league final could have been playing in a league final and they were playing in championship the following week that's too tight 
It's just too tight. There's no two ways around it. Now you could potentially incentivize it in certain ways, money towards a holiday fund or give a bit of zip to it. But if January was freed up, you could push the league a little bit earlier and then you should have had at least a fortnight between the league final and the first round of the championship. Do you know what? Going back to your point about the introduction of the teams uh, and, and the Galway team, as you said yourself, um, that 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 kind of notion from the GEA that's that's not acceptable because I did a thing during the summer down in Limerick before uh, the Limerick or as halftime sorry in the Limerick Cork uh, Munster Hurling Championship match, which was the introduction of the nineteen seventy three um, Limerick team that won the All Ireland, and and I was the MC for the thing, and they gave me ten. They said you have ten minutes, and that's it, right? So you were on the watch. We got things done in eight minutes. We were in, we were out. We didn't hold anybody up. The ref wasn't sitting inside the dressing room or anything like that. So, so that that notion from from the GA that that's just not acceptable. Yeah, well, but Michael, yeah, but that goes back to what's happening in the GA world. There is an awful lot of box ticking. There's certainly box ticking in relation to honouring the Jubilee teams. Oh, let's throw them out at five minutes before the game and get it over and done with. There's box ticking with fixtures at all levels. Oh, let's get it all over and done with. And you talked about, Ray was talking about league finals or whatever. Like and I was just looking at Mayo's schedule. I mean, Mayo in the championship, played three championship matches in 14 days. Well, three other counties did as well, and they got beaten. But in the league, they played three rounds of the league, three weeks in a row. The third match was a league final. And then the following week, with no break, they went in to the quarterfinal of the Connacht Championship against Roscommon. That was four big games in a row, then three games in 14 days. That's not right. That's not sustainable. And I, I, I've, I've talked about the Cliffords. The Cliffords and and the brilliant players. The Cliffords have now been on the conveyor belt of intercounty and club football for two years, for the guts of two years. And you tell me that's good because what's happening is our elite players, the top, uh, the, the fellow with the bad county or the bad club. Okay, he gets plenty time off. The fellow with the high profile successful club and the high profile successful county is now going twelve months of the year. Full stop. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I accept all that. Listen, um, Ray, Pat, uh, I'm going to just pause you there for a moment because we just need to take a, a short break uh, here on the podcast. And um, if you want to keep listening to the two lads, I'm sure you do because um, I'm finding this very interesting. I hope you are. Um, if you want, to me as well, Michael Lester. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tomas. How are you? Uh, just chat speak. Or- speak when spoken to. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I just have enough of that football crap that you're on about. Like there is, there is other games as well. You know. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's, yeah, go back to sleep, will you? Um, <laughs> listen, folks, if you want to join us for the next part of the podcast, we've got to stay with us. It's just four euro a month. That's for the month, by the way, not just for the podcast. And you can get the details at www.thegameonsunday.com. We'll talk to you again shortly. Hello, everyone. You're welcome back to part two of this week's The Game on Sunday podcast. Michael Lester is still here with you. Uh, also, Pat Spillant, Moss Mulcahy, and our special guest for this week, Ray Silk from Galway. Not just from Galway in terms of captain of the Galway team in 1998, but of course, uh, Ray, your club as well, Coral Finn. What a successful year that was as well. And I'm sure happy memories 25 years ago for the club. Yeah, Mike, look, we had been knocking on that door for a good while. Uh, someone said to me once, oh, you, you won the All-Ireland in 1998 with the club. And I said, well, that journey started in 1988 when I first made my debut at 17 and we lost the county final. And, you know, you, you, it's to win an All-Ireland club is very, very difficult. And that's why, you know, Curfin went on to win 3-0 and, and look, Nemo and uh, Lone Rangers won one and up to Noah, you know, the Cosmogen Rangers, but... We were the first, I suppose, and someone said hey, it's easy enough to, to, to replow a field once it's been ploughed once. But we were a long time knocking on that door. We got beaten in an All Ireland semi final in '92 by uh, Killarney Crokes. Uh, they went on and, and won the All Ireland. And then in 1996, the coolest day I ever played football, February down in Ennis, Lone Rangers beat us 8 6. So when it, when our chance came again, we kind of knew where we were bound a bit more. Like we beat Dungiven. 
you know, Bollies club, we beat Dungiven in the semi-final and then in the final we played a Dublin club, Aaron's Isle and look, we we had worked very hard for that but we had that beautiful mix, uh, Michael, of uh, age, Jerry Burke and Ollie Burke were heading for 40 and youth, we had Derek Riley who was 16 years of age and one of the other lads that came on, Kieran Cuomo was only 16 so look, it, it was a fantastic memory, there's no denying it and you know, just just to be able to be there with, with all the people and there was a neighbour down the road, B Hanley, and she was never, ever in Crow Park only once. And that was her first and only day, like she's she's deceased since. So, look, it's that sense of occasion. And again, it wasn't as professional as, as it is now. But, you know, in some ways, there was an innocence about it that even made it more beautiful. Like, we had mass with Father Paddy Williams before we got on the bus and we didn't have Garda escort or Anton. And it was just... It was spectacularly beautiful, to be honest, and it's definitely one of my all-time highs from playing Gaelic football. To win an All-Ireland club, senior, intermediate or junior, is just a very, very special thing. Ah, 100% it is. And it's really, if I have one regret about all that, about Corfin winning and Galway winning in 98, it's simply this. Um, my father, Martin, passed away, lads, in January of that year. And he actually played, Ray, for Corofin. Well, even, th- even though he was from Kilowern, but he was on the Galway senior panel at the time. And the rule was then, I'm not quite sure what it is now, but um, if if you're on the Galway panel or the county panel, uh, you could play for the nearest senior club in Kilowern Mosley at the time. It was, a, it was a junior club. And the choice was between the, either Tomb Stars, which is, as you know, Ray, one side of Kilowern, or Corofin, which was the other. And my dad actually played for several years for Carl Finn. And as I said, I, I was just so sad that he missed both of them. Yeah, well, it's, it's such a, it's such a family occasion as well, Michael. I can hear it in your voice there. You know, you don't... There's, there's, there, there, that's a moment in life and it's a moment in a person's life that can never be repeated. So to miss it as uh, to miss it with a loved one is 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 is, is tough. He never passed on the footballing genes, Mike. Oh yeah, I was going to make make that comment as well, Michael. On, on just on a lighter note, where did it go all wrong, Michael Lester? Well, uh, do you know what? Actually, my my father back in the day <laughs> used to he he used to encourage me strongly. He was a big GA fan and a big soccer fan and sport fan, essentially. Um, but he used to encourage me strongly to join the Chewham Rugby Club because I, I'm guessing, looking back on it at the time, I didn't, by the way, but I, I had speed. I was fairly fast. Um, but he obviously looked at me and said, well, he has no football skills, so at least if he can shove the jump the, the ball under his jumper and kind of run down the feet, it might give him a chance. You know? So, Jesus. Be good. Lost my game. You're chucking away there on the background. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm enjoying the conversation with Ray and Paz and yourself. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I look and I echo a lot of what they've said in terms of your 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 jubilee teams and and the football and like for Pat, what you're saying in terms of like the Clifford Humley guys like that around the country in terms of a two years of involvement with no break or when do they get a break I mean they're finishing all our series and not going back into a very tough championship in terms of club and very little time to recover you know and um, I, you just wonder will all that be examined we're at the end of the season. When, is, yeah. is, is, is somebody going to sit back and have a look at this and say we can't let this continue you know we have to we have to have a bigger gap we have to have the recovery and Michael we've discussed yeah. this and Pat We've discussed this for so many yeah. times over the last number of weeks in different episodes in terms of all the four things out there would tell you it's more about recovery now. It's more yeah, about- my, Tomas, in five weeks in Kerry, uh, after next Sunday, in five weeks, the Kerry Intercounty players would have played four matches in five weeks. That's an All-Ireland final, three club championship matches in a row. That's four in five weeks? God sames. Yeah, and look, it's look, Pat, and I, I know you were slagging me a couple of weeks back in terms of the early in my involvement with my own club, Ben Rovers, yeah? And look, we've won match to play, and we've had it all year uh, in terms of championship, yeah? We've a tough, we had a tough trial against Blackrock and Midton, but within eight days, we were gone over the seen Arling Championship. Eight days, gone completely. After waiting the whole year, and players waiting the whole year for it. Uh, look, I, I, I think there's there's such a volume of talk about this, lads. Like, and we've done a fair bit of it over the last couple of weeks, you know, and things like that. But on a broader sense, somebody has to be listening to this. 
you would think so, Michael. You you would think so. And look, um, and an awesome hurling perspective you kind of mentioned there, um, and uh, to me at the break in terms of where hurling is going, where's hurling going? Is there is is there an app an appetite to improve the games in the big high highly populated areas and. You know, you you go on if you want to troll to stat that you told me about Galway, yeah. Well, the the, the thing that I said uh, just chatting before we we recorded this piece, the thing that I was saying to Moss was, if you and I was reading this someplace recently, if you draw a line between Galway and Dublin, which is more or less half the country, and you go north of that line to Moss, yes, how many counties are playing hurling? Yeah, I, I, I mean, at any, at any level, like, you know. Yeah, but right, actually, that's an interesting point, lads, and it's a, it's a valid point, because I think of out of all the county championship game, uh, out of all the county finals that are finished already, but bear in mind, the Kerry Club, Ray was talking about how, how disappointing it is in Wexford to be finished, the club hurling to be finished before the end of August. Club hurling in Kerry is finished since the middle of July when the, when the club hurling final was played. But you're right, I mean, out um there's only one. There's only one club football final that's finished. Uh, that was the Kilkenny football final, which was played in June. There's about four or five hurling championships that are actually concluded. Actually, and um, you talk about uh, a hurling north of the north of a line from Dublin to Galway. I, I mean, I was just going through the list of club hurling championships. What has been played? What hasn't been played? And bear in mind that every one of the thirty-two counties have an inter-county hurling team that play in Laurie Maher or Nicky Rackard. Nicky uh, Rackard, that's right. Yeah. That, that, go to, yeah. that, go to, that go to London or they go to Lancashire or go play Warwickshire. And yet, and, and a lot of money spent. And you just wonder, like, should the money be spent on grassroots promotion and development of hurling rather than wasting a couple, a hundred thousand or a couple hundred thousand a year on, on just for the sake of box ticking again, playing an inter-county hurling game? Because I look at Fermanagh and I was interested in, in the Fermanagh, just it's just stood out. Uh, and obviously Fermanagh playing in the Hurling National League, I don't know what division, and they obviously play in some section. But Fermanagh didn't have a Hurling Championship. Why? Because they hadn't enough teams. That's right, yeah. Yeah, look, yeah, Pat, and look, history has shown it's, it's been like that for many, many, many years. Um, but where I see the opportunity for change is I see the population growth in areas like Mead, like Kildare, um, huge populations uh, emerging there. Uh, a great opportunity to promote hurling within those, within the schools, within the concept that you're talking about at grassroots levels. It needs a big spend. It needs it needs serious innovation from a, from a Crow Park perspective, right? Just don't say uh, we're promoting hurling. This has to be a, a national rollout. Uh, I think there's massive opportunities. I played when I when I started playing hurling. I played against Westmead. I played against Carlow. These have made a bit of an impact without making the level they should be at over over time because they had a bit of tradition there to play the national league matches. I played um, up in Sligo at one stage in a hurling in a hurling match. There's pop, uh, pockets in Mayo that would love the hurling. I'd be a strong advocate in saying in Kerry, you don't give hurling enough of a chance um, because there are massive massive pockets in Kerry. Uh, they've made lots of inroads in the past, but. This needs somebody to grasp it and say, um, we need to be doing something better. I think Darren Maloney had a brief, I had, had a beautiful interview there on Sunday on RT Radio. Um, he was talking to, I forget the name of the lad from the North, but uh, he had Martin Fogarty, the uh, national development coach that was yeah. appointed by GA. Once, he's fi- once he finished his term, that position was never replaced. So there is nobody promoting the game like Martin Formsey did in the past, when he went to Carlow and he went to Westmead and he went to neighbouring counties by Kilkenny and he gave them opportunities. If you want to come in and play a senior league match in Kilkenny to improve your standards, we'd allow that to happen. There is nobody taking outside or jumping outside the box to say, let's grab this, look at the population growth. Pat, Pat you know, you, you know Mead, you know Kildare, maybe they don't want this, maybe they don't want hurling there because of their... Oh, they don't Kildare, Tomas, because Nace... Nace, which is very successful in developing and promoting early. Nace yes. play underage at in Kilkenny uh, competitions. That's that's my that's my point, right? But it, it 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 needs it needs higher promotion, right? You mentioned in terms of PR that the GA don't have a PR machine or they don't have a PR uh, uh, department within yes. within Crow Park. 
We were hearing so much all summer about, and you're hearing it from me, about hurling being the greatest sport in the world, being the greatest game. And there we have pockets all over the country that are dying. Um, I, I, and something, and look, we can go back, don't we? We can come back to the Cork Jesus. We need to win in Ireland. We haven't won in Ireland since 2005. We need an awful lot happening in their schools in terms of promotion. But if you take up above what you would said, Michael, these, 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 these have no chance, really unless there is a radical change from Crow Park and serious, serious investment needs there in terms of grassroots and training in schools and starting at the very, very basics. Will it happen? I can't see it. Ray, can you see a change in, in Galway? Because um, Galway has been, uh, I said this before, about a divided county only in the sense that the Harding is on one side of the county and the football obviously is on the, the what we call the north of the, the county and all that kind of stuff. But I've seen Harding clubs starting up in in kind of uh, places like Baldon, just outside Joom, you know, and things like that. Kind of, can you see a change in the dynamic, even within a football, as we call it, football county, uh, to help to to expand this this whole situation? No, I can, Michael. That's the sad answer. And, and my first medal ever at any any level, proper playing Gaelic or hurling was with Cylon, actually. That's the club, Cylon Hurling Club, Tom I'm Gilmore. Sorry, I, I said Baldon. I went Cylon. No, no it was me, but Baldon the Delta, but. I, I can't see it and uh, I think the point that Tomas made is, is well made it needs boots into schools it's you know that boots on the streets it needs you know we need more Gardaí on our streets but the GA needs to invest in uh, Gaelic promotion officers Gaelic development officers even have a proper pay structure you know and they're heading towards a pensionable pensionable job because teachers won't do it anymore like I'm teaching for 30 years now and okay I like coaching teams and there's six or seven of us in the school that do but many many young teachers now don't really get involved as much because they might have to work another job to pay for the mortgage so the GA if it's serious about hurling and that's a big if now to be honest if they're serious about hurling we'll need to spend significantly because while the lads were chart- chatting there I worked down I make it eight counties five in Munster Cork Tip Waterford haven't won for a long time but they got to a final in 2017 Clare obviously in Limerick that's five you've Kilkenny and maybe Dublin and and, and you know who, who else is knocking around there Kilkenny obviously but there's not enough at the highest level even, even taken and I heard that piece that uh, Tomás talked about with Darren Maloney and Martin Fogarty and Fogarty's point just to reinforce it there was a director of following he retired and they didn't replace him. So if you don't have someone batting for the sport at a high level, and I remember him being down in my column, we were a dual club here, and he gave a coaching demonstration, and it was absolutely fantastic. Like, I took a lot of it that I accused with the footballers on my own to Lanska Hurling as well. But, you know, surely... But unfortunately, Ray, back I'll back to you there, and I said, Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt and Fogarty, absolutely brilliant. But there is no way one man could do this on his own. Oh, right? And he admitted that as well. No way, right? He could do that in his own. And he like it's twenty-five marathon programs. Yeah, yeah. But but it's interesting you've said this, and I, I have said this for many many years. We got to start with our schools, and we got to keep our teachers involved, whatever way the incentive is. If somebody has it in a teacher in a school, and he is only twenty hours in a week, we give him an extra ten hours in terms of GA if he's if he's interested to stay behind to train and stuff like that. You know the scene in terms of you being into teaching role as well. Like, we'd have been lost in schools without the teaching community, without the Christian brothers to teach us what we know at this stage in terms of hurling football. And I, I could say this all over the country. And we're, that is dying. And it's dying, unfortunately, because, yeah, that's not nothing against teachers. They have other responsibilities. They have, they have their own kids to mind. They have, as you say, Ray, other jobs make to take up for 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 for. for this whatever whatever reason be behind it, right? But it, I I think you can have all the GDAs in the world, but I think you have to have activity in the schools where there's so much going on with the teachers. Yeah, it's a fair point, Tomas, and and I agree with everything that Ray said. I mean, if you really have to look and analyze, right? You look at Hurling, and with all due respects, and there has been a huge investment, and you think of the spend on intercounty teams, uh, and even the spend on coaching, and there is a lot, of, but like. The the middle tier counties, uh, you know, once upon a time, the middle tier, they're still the middle tier. The the bad teams are still the bad teams. In Hurling, uh, the 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 Kerrys, the Kildares, the Meats, the Ross Commons, they've never progressed. 
uh, on to the next level. Delicious. So you still, uh, as Ray alluded to with the numbers, you're down to the same six or seven teams at the top, at least at, in football. And you, you, right, you can say it's seen. No, you know, Patrick, we've alluded to this in the football sector. How many teams are going to agree? Hold them in. Can I just, just you said around the country and just say it in terms of Just bear with me, Tomas. Just bear with me, Tomas. No, you can't. And I'll tell you why you can't. At underage level, at under 17, at under 20 level, every county in Ireland, almost every county in Ireland is competitive at under 17. So you have the likes of the success of the Sligos, you have the likes of the success of the Manners. You take under 17 and under 20 early. There's no one playing. There's 26, 24 counties that aren't even involved in those level because they're not good enough. At least in football, at under 17, at under 20 level, there's 30, 29, 30 counties that are competitive at those levels. Well, I, I, I take your point in that pattern. That's very, very strong. And yes, hurling should be in that way. If if you were to own the right, if you have put the right structures in your school and developing teams, you mightn't get the 29, 30 that you're talking about, but you certainly would get more. Yeah, of course. The seven or eight. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I agree with you on that point. Yeah. Totally. But right, tomorrow, I, 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 no, 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 yeah, there's two points I want to make. I agree with Tomorrow's, it has to be into schools, national yeah. schools, and then secondary. And also, the school leaders in the schools have to be a little bit flexible as well from the point of view, you know, you hear an author around learning and teaching. That's the big buzzword now, learning and teaching, learning and teaching. And they don't like the erosion of class time. But there's a phenomenal amount of learning and teaching and formation of good characters by going off on a team bus with a bunch of lads, of going out and playing. But some of the people now in leadership roles, I think, nearly go, oh, see, if they're all in the class learning their lessons, I'm, it's, it's a handier gig for me because there's no expense with bus, there's no uh, jerseys and food and like going to matches is a hassle for a school, but like you can't make an omelette unless you break eggs and we can't have Spillans and Mulcahy's and Silks and Clifford's and all these kind of lads unless they learn that in St. Charlotte's College or the Christian Brothers, etc. But Tomas made one point and it resonated strongly with me. The clergy had a huge role to play in that. They are gone. G-O-N-E. Gone. 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 Out out the gap completely. And it's harder. You get the odd gobshite like myself who doesn't mind staying two evenings a week. But most Teachers won't do it. You might get knocked down in the evening with people going out. So you have to, the GA has to step into that void or hurling could find itself with Limerick winning 10 in a row. And then where are you going when that happens? And and Dublin 6 in a row. Dublin is a county that needs more promotion of of, of, of hurling particularly. And my second point, Michael, and I, I maybe mentioned the podcast before, the GA has to invest hugely in referees massively to get a referee now in Galway takes one six phone calls and eventually yeah. a fella said he'll do you a favour and and also uh, it, it gives it boils my blood when I hear people shouting out at the referee abuse and some of that shouting they wouldn't know their left foot from the right foot but the GEA has to invest in promotion and development of referees because that's a massive crisis coming down the road young referees are as scarce as hen's teeth and we need to nurture them and nourish them or we will find ourselves with cancellation of games on a wide scale level. I think yeah. I think actually Ray, that's happening already, unfortunately. You know, but um listen lads, I, I I would love to talk all day. I do want to to discuss one other thing before we, we close this week. Um Ray and Pat. Uh the return of Jim McGinnis to Johnny Gold. I, I have to say that took me by surprise, Ray, but uh but obviously they failed they need him. Yeah look there were uh, a, t- a county in massive crisis and they've, they've turned to the Messiah and uh, they're hoping he might do it again. Hopefully it might be with a slightly bit more expansive football than he, he produced in the past. But, you know, he... He's a, he's a lot of experience. He you know he he's a very deep thinker about the game. He's been around for a long time. So I wasn't I was surprised. I'm not surprised that he he got the job that wanted him, but maybe that he took the job. But he's been under the radar for the last while. But it's not just the senior job. They need Jim McGuinness to help out as maybe a director of GE academies, underage thing like with the Hassel last year with the boy leaving. Uh, you know the super wing back. Oh, 
Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Pat. Carol Lee saying there's a lot of hassle going on there and the manager left, et cetera, et cetera. So they need someone to steady the ship and, and they have talent up there. And look, I think if if I was the county board chairman, I think he's an excellent appointment and I'm I'd be I'm sure they're pretty happy that they've done good business in getting them. I'm sure they are Pat, but but the the only thing from from McGuinness's point of view is you know, he has a golden reputation because of what he did, obviously, in winning Donegal and All Ireland and Ulster titles, etc. Is there now a danger he could damage it if things don't go well going forward? I know that's always the risk, isn't it? Uh, not really, because to be quite honest, at senior level, uh, Donegal football is is at a pretty low level compared to what it was over the last couple of years. But, you know, like, look, I wouldn't have agreed with, with Jimmy McGuinness's tactics or whatever like that. Jimmy McGuinness, like, First of all, I welcome him. I, I think he's I think he's a top class manager. He's a top class coach. Uh, I read his and listen to what he, he talks about Gaelic football. He's very he's very insightful. Thinks he's a deep thinker on the game. Uh, he looked. He came into Donegal. I mean, uh, at the time when he came into Donegal, there was a ranking of the top counties in Ireland, and Donegal were number twelve, and he brought a team from number twelve in 2011 to winning the All-Ireland. And, like, that is some achievement from such a low base. Uh, okay, he's, he was a smart operator. He saw what was happening. He saw the evolution of the various defensive systems from Joe Kernan to Mickey Hart and whatever like that. And yeah. basically what Jimmy did, Jimmy Guinness did, was he brought it to the next level and made it even more defensive, maybe ultra-cautious and whatever like that. And, of course, for long spells, it was awful stuff to watch. But look... It delivered an All-Ireland to Donegal. Did it deliver more than one All-Ireland? No, it didn't because they were found out of it. But, so, I ask you, Pat, 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 I don't, I don't want to, Kerry, they were very, very unlucky against Kerry in 2014. Only Paul Durkin made a bad, bad kick out and, and you know, that game was still in the balance. Uh, come here, Kerry 2014 were a team on the decline, were, were one of the poorest Kerry teams in my memory to win an All-Ireland. So, uh, I wouldn't get overly carried away that they went close to uh, in 2013, if you can remember, they got an awful hocking from Mayo in the, in the semi-final. But look, it's like you look at Division 2 football next year and you look at the managers that are there and you look at Kieran McGinney, you look at Colm O'Rourke, you look at Mickey Hart, you look at Jim McGuinness, John Cleary, Cart, Glenn Ryan, Kildare. Oh, lads, it's going to be, we talk about doing away with leagues, it's going to be a brilliant Division 2 league appeal. And one thing I know, like about uh, Jim McGuinness, I, I, the one thing I would be familiar a little bit with uh, his his brother-in-law, of, um, Colin, Colin McFadden, has been appointed as the forwards coach. And I, I would be very familiar with him because with my son involved with Sligo, Colin was the forwards coach in Sligo this year. And they raved about him. He, they said he was just unbelievable as a forwards coach. So Jimmy McGuinness is a shrewd operator. Uh, I don't think he'll go back with the same type of taxi. But I'd be lo- looking forward, A, to seeing how Johnny Gall are going to do. But I'm going to look, I'm really looking forward to the innovative thinking and the thinking outside the box in terms of coaching of what he will bring in terms of how the game might evolve under Jimmy McGuinness's watch. It'll be very interesting because up to... Uh, uh, yeah, and I think I think that's the big thing really because look, he's been at Celtic, he's been involved around the world in terms of different yeah. coaching capacities, right? So the knowledge factor there must yeah, be you. Absolutely. Right? So, and do you, do you know, lads, the one the one pity about all this and, and looking forward to what Jim McGuinness might or might not do with Johnny Gall or the other counties, in actual fact, Pat, yours is a very good point about Division 2 uh, next oh. year. It's, it's going to be uh, real kind of heteroskeletal kind of stuff. And do you know what the problem is? We have to wait half the frigging year to see it. Yeah. But anyway, look, we're, yeah, we're going well, to that. Could, may, maybe we'll see it free to air as well, the same as they're going to give free to air for the Rugby World Cup, that we might have free to air all GE next summer. Well, do you know what, though? I'm not I'm not here to defend RTE, but the problem here isn't RTEs. The problem, as you know, is the fixtures. It's as simple as that. We've talked about this before, Tomas. Uh, if, if you put matches up against other matches, you know, uh, what are you going to do in RTE? split screen or something like that you know so no, no actually if you have games if you have games on a Sunday right about extending the times in terms of matches one match this week and then uh, you have another match the following week another match the following week and uh, we're finished in uh, July early August um, that extending it a little bit that gives a bit more room for the television side of it right how many matches are going to be in the World Cup all free tier right so I mean 
I, I don't I don't believe in that, right? And I think it has to change. Our, it's our national game. And what went on this year in terms of TV and pay pa, or pay, pay wall behind in terms of the high-profile matches. And we're on about the PR sheet in Crocart. My side, Moss, guy, can I, can, I just, can I just cut across you on that point here? And as I said, I am not here to defend RTE in this, but I know television. I know how this works. Uh, when broadcasters around the world, whether it's the, the Rugby World Cup or the Women's Soccer World Cup or whatever the case is, when they write the check, they organize the fixtures. In the Premier League across the water, that's exactly how it works. They tell the Premier League what days they want these matches on and what times and all that kind of stuff. You know, the difficulty with the GEA is RTE writes the check and then the GEA decides the, 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 the schedule, you know, and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily add up. And I, I know this. Paul Barnes was listening here in the background, the producer of our podcast. He's been the editor of the Sunday game. He knows what I'm talking about, you know, so... Anyway, look, okay, but, if, but if I if I asked you, Michael, did did our team make money on the GA goal this year? They did, actually. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I rest I, I rest my case. Okay, but but I, I, what I'm saying to you, Thomas, is did they set out to do that, or was it kind of you know put in their uh, lap? Like. Well, uh, maybe maybe they should do GA go for the Rugby World Cup. Now there's a money making racket. <laughs> like, listen, listen. But before we before we get before we get Ma- completely silly, Ma- Michael, these. Michael, can I finish with a smile? Yeah, you mean when Pat was Ray? Do you know what you're going to do? Is you're going to put a nice finish to this conversation? When when when, when Pat when Pat was calling out all those managers in Division Division Two, I just had this vision of Dad's army back in the day. <laughs> The average uh, age right. must be the average age must be about fifty. Nothing wrong with that. I, I, that, that, that what, what do they call it these days? That's uh, ageism or yep. something like that. Yeah, yeah. So fair play to you. Yeah, uh, and the most the most successful managers are of that of that of that age factor. I mean, you take Jack O'Connor, you take um, Brian Cody, you take whatever. Yeah, Cody Yeah, yeah, I tell you something, yes, lads. Uh, the way Manchester United are going at the moment, it might be long before Alex Fergus has back again. So, um, anyway, listen, it's great to talk. Um, thank you, Pat. Thank you, Tomorrow. And Risa, pleasure to have you with us. Uh, really enjoyed that. Thank you very much. And again, retrospective uh, congratulations on Goldberg's success and Corstin's success in 1998. And thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 